0: Welcome to another episode of the I Am podcast. I'm Johnny Wilkinson and I really appreciate you being here with me today. I've got a very special offer from our podcast partner that I don't think you're going to want to miss. As you know by now at I Am, we're passionate about exploring performance and potential. We often look at this through the body, how the food we consume affects us. And this is why we've partnered with Vivo Life, who have devoted themselves to understanding how our nutrition plays a significant role in our growth, both physically and mentally. Their products are formulated by nutritionists and are 100% natural, making them the perfect choice for anyone looking to take their well-being to the next level. A big favourite at the Iron podcast is their Perform Plant Protein, especially in cacao flavour, and their plant-based omega-3 made from high-potency algae oil. Whichever you choose, you'll quickly understand why Vivo Life products are award-winning when you try them out. Plus, their products are delivered straight to your doorstep via carbon-neutral delivery. Vivo Life really embodies the spirit of our podcast, and we're really keen for you guys to try the products yourselves. So they agreed to run their biggest ever discount exclusively for I Am listeners. The code is IAMPODCAST, all in capital letters, which will give new customers 40% off their first order and a further 15% off when they subscribe. The offer ends soon, so don't miss out. Check out their full range of products at www.vivolife.co.uk to discover how they can help you unlock your full potential. Hi there, thanks for joining me here on the I Am podcast, where we're all about peace, performance and potential. And For this week's guest episode, I had a chance to reconnect with James O'Connor, the Australian Rugby Union player. He was an on-field adversary, sadly never an on-field teammate, Definitely, one off the field. Over the last ten years, we've kept in touch and shared many a chat, and it was nice to record one. So maybe give you a sense of the sort of direction that these little conversations often go for us. I think this one is a great representation of James and his journey, as well as being a nice indication of what may be to come for him. What's so exciting for me is that I think he's recognizing that his fulfillment lies in liberating and expressing his creativity. He's been through plenty already, as you'll find out in the episode, but seems as devoted as ever to uncovering what he is really capable of. I think when you listen to the episode, you'll understand what I mean by that. He speaks honestly, openly, and is not afraid to let the conversation go wherever it needs to. For me, it was a really awesome experience. As someone that I'm beginning to know quite well, I think you're gonna enjoy What he's got to say. And in that respect, please let me know what you think, your feedback, your feelings, anything that's coming up in you, especially if you've got questions. Any questions, things that you want more clarity on, things you want to delve deeper on, any subjects that you find interesting, any guests as well that you'd like me to explore. It would be really, really a great thing for the podcast and hopefully for the future of this going forward. My name is Johnny Wilkinson. This is the I Am Podcast with james o'connor james o'connor mate thank you for joining me i know it's pretty early over there and i really appreciate your time you're in the middle of playing and camps and loads of stuff going on so uh, i really really appreciate you being here i'm keen to really get into a load of your experience but first of all how are you at the moment what's going on in your world hey johnny
1: I'm really well, man. I'm just in pre-season at the moment. just come off an ankle injury, which uh, has been a lot of realizations the last couple of months. And I'm in a nice little sweet spot where I'm finding a a new balance for my life and uh, just creating some new things in my world. So I'm looking forward to having a chat with you. It's
0: been a while. Nah, it has been a while. I was just thinking we started off chatting... Probably, uh, I remember sat there and because we'd have been across the field from each other on opposite sides at some point. Yeah, You were later on, mate, I'm, I envy you for your youth, but you were 2008, you kicked off internationally, didn't you, I think? Mm. And I caught a few years of you there, but I remember chatting to you at, at Toulon when you were playing and I was there in more of a coaching form. We caught up in Japan during that World Cup that you were involved in. And uh, I remember our conversations getting more and more deeper into all things about performance and and, and peace, potential, all that kind of stuff. But I found it really exciting to, I guess, be a passenger or at least a listener in on that journey you were going through. And I, I'm just keen to pick up with you on that journey and find out, you know, where it's going, what it's realizing. But I guess to do it in order, maybe to start with a bit more of the beginning. So you did get into rugby pretty young in terms of internationally. I think you were 18, weren't you? Yeah, 18 internationally. Blimey. Was that right? Were you just 18? coming up 19 because i'm trying to compare us
1: here yeah why i'd sort of i'd played super at 17 that year and then i'd yeah just turned 18 playing at the end of the year
0: all right yeah you've fully done me
1: you've beaten me by months and months and months i don't want to compare (laughs) cvs with you brother
0: oh mate listen I so tell me tell me a little bit about you growing up then so if we're going to find out where you're going and where things are looking how do you look back on it now as starting what were you like as a youngster coming into the game how would you describe yourself there and and what did that journey look like into those sort of teens
1: well as a youngster like I grew up with two brothers so I was a middle child so that might say a little bit I was always looking for attention yeah we've watched our (laughs) home videos recently and uh there's like yeah a big difference between all of our energies, which is really special. And I think I credit a lot of, I guess where I've got to and where I am from my brothers and being in a, a like, close bond with them. But yeah, I was yeah. always looking for dad, look at me, mom, watch this. And I think that's sort of <laughs> where I excelled at footy because I could really express myself on the field. And when I expressed myself, I got more attention. So it was almost yeah. like my relationship with rugby was interesting when I first started. It was a way for me to be seen, I guess. And then, yeah, going into my teenage years, I always just had this, I guess, a little chip on my shoulder. I'd been told quite a few times I was too small. I wouldn't play professionally. And then by the time I left school, within sort of four months, I was playing professional rugby. And it was almost like that driving force where it was like, no one can tell me nothing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty interesting. Wow. Yeah. Um,
1: moved over to Perth, uh, started playing again, yeah, pretty much straight away. Was playing with Gitz and Drew. Yeah, that was yeah. a cool experience, learning a lot from those guys. And then, yeah, I
0: played with the Wallabies at the end of my first professional year, so it was quite a quite a quick rise. And you mentioned about being seen in rugby. There's a deeper conversation here, which I'd love to this to be part of, or or for you know this to find during our conversation. But certainly for me, it was about being seen, or it was at least a, something bigger than just the passion. There was undoubtedly a huge passion for the game. Why choose rugby? You know, Take away the game and I still found myself with the ball in my hands and I just wanted to play the game. But at the same time, all the competition, a lot of that was to do with something far deeper. Like you said, a huge proving of myself, a huge kind of almost a, a kind of answer to things like fear, to feeling a bit insufficient, not enough and all that kind of thing. I'm wondering, was there a need to win in that need to be seen, a need to kind of prove something and and almost get that recognition? Do you think some of that, what was behind that for you? You mentioned about craving attention. Do you feel anything else in there?
1: De- yeah, definitely recognition. No matter what sport it was for me, I had to win. And I just competed until like, people did not like playing with me, especially one-on-one. <laughs> wasn't an enjoyable experience. My brothers have told me plenty of times. <laughs> When I was younger, there was a need for recognition. Like if I had done something well, someone had to recognize that I'd done that well in front of people as well. It had to be like the way I sort of see this world with my anagram, my human design, all these sort of things is, it's all about sort of hierarchy and it's all about fairness. So if someone's done one thing, it's got to be fair for the rest of us. It's got to be the same same way of living for sort of everyone, which has been something I've sat with and delved deep into. And But I think, yeah, the first parts of rugby was for recognition than was
0: to be seen. With that saying about that recognition, do you think that's underneath a lot of what's going on in rugby? I'm not necessarily asking you to judge other people, but do you get a feeling that if we open this conversation up to a lot of people and ask for some real deep honesty, there's a lot of people operating through that kind of need to feel more by winning? Because... Mm. (sighs) I sometimes sort of look at it for myself, that high achiever syndrome, because I could say to you, I definitely had a massive passion for the game. You're kind of like, yeah, that's great. But why does it need to be at the highest level? Why does it need to be in front of thousands? Why do you need to be the kicker? You also kick, you know, why put yourself in that position if you also at times hate it? And I know for sure that there was so much more underneath it for me in terms of when I'm kicking goals, I knew for me there was this sense that I wanted to be somehow some kind of saviour of the team in some ways. I wanted my team to at times, yeah, like respect me, but more I, I, I was so deeply in need at times. I wanted to be almost worshipful. Wow, look at what you're doing. And it was crazy. And of course, the more that intensified and the more out of control that got, the more I actually completely dissociated and disconnected from my teammates. Mm -hmm. I was on but I know that was in me and it was hugely unbalanced you mentioned loads about balance already but do you think that's that's still a big part if we open this conversation up bigger and people were honest they would sort of say yeah I'm in that bracket too yeah I I definitely think there's a huge element of that
1: for me like my journey was a little bit different I never I never hated any part of rugby what I hated was the part that I couldn't express myself the way I wanted to because of choices that I had and because I couldn't communicate to the coaches and I wasn't Disciplined enough to follow a path. And like my choice of picking up the goal kicking was, yeah, it's the hero element of like, was rely on me. I will do this. Like, but it was also <laughs> yeah. internally in me of stepping up to be like, no, no, I'm courageous enough. I will, I will take this on. Like, I've practiced yeah, this. I have the, the skill challenge. set. Yeah, I will take the challenge on. And obviously, there is like, there's so many different elements that come into play. But if I look at like a lot of the teams I've been in, I see so many different characters and reasons for playing the game. A lot of them, is it's because that's not all they're good at, but that's what they're good at, and they're sort of pushed into that path, and they can see it it is a great lifestyle to train and play and be a professional athlete. There's others that you can see it feeding off that attention. There's yeah. there's a lot of guys that are feeding off the attention, and hey, I was definitely one of them for a period of time. But I yeah. do think in this morning game, there is guys who I see who just purely love it, love it to a level that, I never loved the intricacies of the game as much as these guys do. They live and breathe it for me. I like coming in, playing my game, and then when it's done, it's done. And then I'm off doing my next thing. I'm still reviewing and I'm still in love with the game, but I'm not thinking about it 24-7. The more I'm just on one thing, the more I feel heavier, weighed down, and then I almost feel like it's a like a job. But that's when the martyr in me comes in and it's like, oh, I'm doing this for you guys. I'm doing these extra meetings for you guys so that our details ride and we'll play better on the weekend when really everything I do is for me. There's always, you know? <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. Yeah, and I, and so it's funny you say that because you're dead right. When I was looking around, there's so many different characters and I couldn't handle the fact that people could be relaxed, so relaxed. You said this to me once. <laughs> couldn't handle the fact that people were able to, you know, for a game not to go the way you wanted and afterwards just to be like, oh, well, heading home now, I'd be like <laughs> – Now you need to come to the old, the morgue, you have to come, exactly, exactly. You need to come and review and, and, and sit there and punish yourself, but you're right in terms of the characters and the personalities, the power of being able to have that balance. But I think it's all, it's all whether or not it's conscious, because if that's just how things looked for you, then that's great but you don't own it. And I think that's what I think has been really powerful for me to move back towards balance and try to move back consciously to understand how I'm moving back and to sort of at least try and have an assisting role in that as opposed to saying, oh, well, at the moment it's good. Oh no, it's terrible now. Oh, it's back to good and just bounce around with it. But it is brilliant to see people that were able to give everything but also be able to relax on an evening. Whereas I yeah. had that life or death. I had life or death all about it. Yeah. And, and that martyr thing rings true as well. You know, it's a nice thing to have in your head, but it's about you anyway at, at the end of the day. Well, yeah, that balancing.
1: For me, like when I was younger, you actually said to me once when, we were, when you were coaching at Talon, we were doing some drill and you were, I was just mucking around, stepping people, playing. And you're like, like, I envy how you're just so in the moment and relaxed and you're just so playing when you've got a game tomorrow. Yeah. And I was, and i ton of a full circle journey to get back there. So I went from like, yeah. just playing, leaving it all out there, not caring, me against the world, me against the media. After a game, if I didn't get the high on the field, I'd get the high off the field. So I'd find that need in me to fill that little void of pleasure or joy or applause or whatever it was. And then I went the opposite sort of way when I moved to the UK and I became very almost monk mode where I, I didn't touch a drop of alcohol. Like I was very strict with myself and I almost learnt that element of discipline and, and hard work and almost starved that need in me for, for joy.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: And when, and when I did that, I lost that pleasure of playing the game. I was still playing the game well, but I started playing the game a bit heavier in a different way. But I realised like for me, the best way for me to play is to just respond. And a cool thing is I actually heard in an interview you said, maybe it might have been two or three years ago when you were playing at a, might have been like an adventure park or like you're playing a kid's game of basketball. In the past, you hadn't been able to almost do these games at these little carnivals and whatnot. And then you taught yourself to just respond to the stimulation front of you. you can't control the outcome or you can, the only thing you can do is just turn up and put yourself there and see what happens. And that interview yeah. actually had a big effect on me because it started my journey back into being in the present, being in the flow state, not trying to review the game so analytically and logically where this guy should have done this, but he didn't. But then that gap didn't open up and like being so structured. It was great that I learned how to do that, but then when I could take a step back and just do the hard work off the field, turn up on the field and then just play, and it was a game that changed from the rugby field into my life as well. So now when I'm living, everything is just play. As much as I put my head down and work hard, I'm still responding to stimulus all the time. I have the logical element, but that other element is there now, which for me is that feminine, which creates so much more joy in my life and and pleasure.
0: It's, It's powerful, isn't it, to think of where that stimulus is coming from. If you continue to accept and respond to whatever is in your path, that whatever is in your path becomes an incredible guidance towards you revealing more of you, Whereas when you fight it, you're almost going against that guidance. And I think that's yeah. so much an explanation of me for so much of my life was to say, look, I don't give a toss what you, this all-powerful universe, is putting in my path. <laughs> it has to be my way. Yeah, It has to be the way that I grew up believing it should be. And I will make it that way. And it was yeah. like, yeah, you can try. You could you're going to burn yourself yeah. out. You're going to burn yourself well, out. You
1: use so much energy to try and manipulate and mold it that even if you do think you've got it, around the corner comes a big slap in your face where you're adrenally drained, fatigued, and then you don't get the result.
0: <laughs> no, and it's normally the slap that you didn't accept first time round. You yeah. get it again, the same yeah. one. But, it's, but it's, it's amazing that in that acceptance for me, there's a huge amount of energy that, as you said, in that flow state, you work with and you become so much more powerful in a response than you do in a reaction. In yeah. a reaction, you've got the energy of that anger or that frustration or that fear or whatever which can be powerful for a short very short period of time but when you work with you kind of almost like shift the boat don't you and get the wind right behind your sails and say okay if I have to go in this direction in order to have the full wind behind my sails then I will Mm -hmm. but of course as you start get going you start to find you can really make a difference when you're you're in that state with that much sort of energy behind you. And the thing you mentioned in that story was, yeah, was shooting basketballs at one of those wonky hoops at the fairground. (laughs) And the difference was, and I don't know if I'll come to you on this now, is that the whole thing went from, as you said, outcome. But outcome, for me, has started to become, it's just visual. What does it look like? And if it moves away from visual and becomes internal, what does it feel like? Yeah. Now, that's a journey that you're feeding back with yourself. And it's a journey you can go deeper and deeper into. But with the outcome, if you feed back with these things, which can change, they can be unpredictable, whatever, there's no depth, there's no movement. You can't gather a direction and, and momentum and keep going in that way because you get bounced off it. But with that internal journey, you can go deeper and deeper and deeper into that feel. And I think with each shot I was, you know, trying to get it was almost guiding me to a different feel. And eventually my feeling always was, it will come, it's coming. And that for me is a confidence. I didn't hold very much when I was playing, but when I did and was playing around on the field and in myself, I could almost feel this innate understanding that it's coming. Don't worry. Yeah. And it's that, that where you just allow, and I guess that's it. You just allow it to happen. Yeah. So I'm really interested with all this now talking about this kind of stuff with this joy and this self-expression and this desire to work with. How do you marry that? Because it's very easy as a retired player to look back and say, oh, well, this is how I am now. But of course I'm not in your environment. Mm. You're still in that environment where there are fitness tests, yeah. where there are weight sessions, where there are defense drills, where you're running and tackling people. On a Tuesday morning, you're like, oh, really? And it's like, oh girl, we're doing contact yes. or whatever. Yeah. How do you continue to explore? What does that look like in preparation? Brother, this is where I'm at right now.
1: <laughs> Such a good question. It's, it's been the conundrum for me for the last year because I like feeling is it's a huge trust, right? Like whether you're on the field or you're off it, you're trusting that where you're going, where you're being led internally is the right move. Now, there's times, many times on the field, never in the games for me, it's been more about training where. There's something that it's best for the team, but it's not best for me. And then the conundrum comes in. It's like, okay, well, now this is my truth. How do I communicate this to the coaches, to the people that need to know so that it all marries up nicely? And there's been many times where I'm like, you just have to put your head down at times when it's going to be for the collective is more important. But yeah, I've, I haven't mastered this one quite yet. Hence the ankle injury and um, yeah. Hey, I got dropped from a a Wallabies team because I wasn't training as efficiently as they would have liked. And the communication I had was, I know what my body needs to get me to there on the field. The more it takes away at training, the more we go, I leave this pattern to join your pattern of force, collisions, like power based It's like that equilibrium point. I'm training something else and then I'm losing something here. Really interesting. And a big part of my world is is finding that that really sweet spot where you can be adaptable and move in every direction. It's almost like your body, you don't want to train too much weights because you lose a bit of speed. You don't want to do too much flexibility because you might lose a bit of power. And I'm still playing with this. Like I said, I haven't mastered it, but it's definitely been something that's come up quite a few times where it's like, you're just sitting there and you're like, one, to get the willpower to do something that no cell in your body wants to do. Whereas (laughs) when I was younger, I was unconscious to it. I was just, Either so in the moment, or I was just not even here that I could just will myself to do anything. Yeah. The more I come here, the more I'm like, Do I want to tackle that (laughs) big right now? Twelve
0: times, (laughs) not particularly. Yeah. But it's it's funny you you say that because when I like you said when I was younger, I had fitness tests and and the tackle things. And truth be told, looking back at it now, did I learn how to tackle by doing them? No, I already knew how to tackle. Yeah. You don't need me to do any tackling during the week. I will tackle whatever's on the field. Yeah. But like you said, there's a sense that maybe some people do in the team. And if they do, then we all do it together. And that's how we stick together. But at the same time, I would sort of sometimes, and it was unlucky or whatever, but you do a tackle drill and you get a dead leg on a Wednesday Yeah. yeah. and you're then sort of going, right, okay, so now I'm going to do what I knew I could do anyway on the weekend but like I'm now do I'm dead leg. limited
1: yeah <laughs> exactly and do
0: you think you got the dead leg because
1: you didn't commit a hundred percent to
0: it well exactly yeah who knows or whether I committed too much because I was in that mode of well here's the challenge I, I yeah, don't want this yeah. enough so I'm going to want it way more than you could ever imagine yeah. and watch me <laughs> smash these people in almost in a way to the coach that says you know all right well if we have to do this I don't think we should but watch this I'll show you that I can do it yeah whatever it be yeah <laughs> but I kind of know what you're saying it's a bit like Maybe it comes with that idea about getting a bit older as you know your body a bit more, whether it's straightforward physically knowing your body more or whether you're internally becoming more sensitive to even deeper levels of subtle mm. feelings or whatever. But the big question, I think, has to remain. Yes, sure, there has to be a balance where you it's a team, but it's also individual and it's individuals within a team. But at some point, if you keep updating that conversation and you're really honest and you have also someone that's honest, and having a conversation will say, Well, hold on, what do you think you need to do in a week to make yourself mm. feel amazing for the weekend? But you also need maybe someone else to say, What do you think I need? Yeah. And then to have a real frank, honest discussion. But if one of those voices gets to completely rule it, mm-hmm. it's gonna be tricky. Cause I would have told you, Oh, you know, I'll just do this, I'll just do this. But I don't know everything, you know. There's some things about me. I could people could say, Well, actually, watching the video, yeah, we do need you to work on this. And I get that. But at the same time, you're definitely right. As I got older, you're kind of thinking, I can't train like this. Yeah. Yeah. Because I will not make it to the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and if I do, yeah. it won't be me you're
1: getting on the weekend anymore. That is the exact, like I've come to that quite a few times. I just hadn't spoken it in the right environments and I hadn't spoken my truth to the key players and whether they would have accepted that and adapted it. This is at international level is yeah. another story, but that's what, that's what I was attempting to communicate was you're not getting me on the field on Saturday because of all these little things I'm having to tweak and change during the week at training. Yeah. So I'm I'm, I'm not in my flow state as much. I'm thinking instead of responding, I'm doing all these different things that it's not me you're getting. I've actually had a great conversation at, with the Reds at the moment. And it's exactly that. It's like with the coaches, with the strength and conditioning, it's like, let's sit down and just speak openly and that's exactly what I did it was like this is where I'm at in my life this is where I am here's hair, here, hair, here. and we've yeah. gone away and we've created a, a training pattern and a plan that is exactly for me
0: brilliant and and with the other players in the team also recognizing that you are different yeah I'm to them different. and yeah. they are also different to each other and everyone yeah. if they have that same kind of opportunity to at least optimize their own time and preparation
1: Exactly, and I'm hoping that empowers guys to actually have a look at what they need individually, and at the same time, they need something very different to me because our squad is quite young. So most of our players are around 23, 22, 23. Like Super Rugby is quite a young men's game at the moment. So what they, <laughs> yeah. yeah, what they require to upgrade themselves and to grow is very different to what I require, and that is something I've, I've actually been able to communicate for the first time, which has been very freeing. Wow. I think, I think
0: looking from a young perspective, when I was young, it was a lot about building habits. And I got that because you're kind of almost like, right, first of all, I had to realize that you had to be bigger to play this game. I was too, I just didn't have enough on me for the position that I was playing and what have you, because I was playing 12 at the beginning and and sort of like, it was quite a defensive game. And so you, you learn all these habits and it's brilliant. But then if those habits become so automatic, they just plateau you. Yeah. What I needed to get when I got older, which I, I wasn't courageous enough, I wasn't on the journey enough, I think, as, as maybe where you are as devoted to it, where you or at least I wasn't able to face what that surge of fear and insecurity that was behind everything. I never challenged those habits enough to open up. I was too reputation based. I was too image based. I've built this and I don't want to lose it. But I want to give as much as I can without losing that. So what do I do? and almost set yourself this kind of well, I'll go up to a, a an eight or maybe eight and a half out of ten, but if I shoot higher than that, I could go to a four, yeah, and so you go, "Well, I won't I'll go to an eight and a half, which gives me a l- lowest to six, and yeah. I'm like, that should hold the reputation." And actually, the only thing that guarantees is you just don't see anything new yeah and and I think what I needed was to be challenged massively. And to be shown that there's nothing waiting at the end of that reputation game. When you get to the end of it, you kind of go, great. But you look back and the first thing you do is, oh, my God, I had all those skills. I had all that stuff to express. Well, I didn't I?" Exactly. But I think as a youth side, I think, you know, there's lots to learn. But as an older side, I think there's so much to be challenged on and open up to. And I wonder if, for me, that's why it does need to become personal. And maybe people often think the older guys are the ones that just leave them to it. But if you leave someone to their own stuff, it's very difficult to challenge yourself out of your own comfort zone. So I wonder if with the older guys, it's more the time to be like, no, get in there. Speak to them, get them to open up, get them to go into that new space.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting because I've sat with that so many times. And one of my fears was communicating was, it was almost like a fear I had that they thought I was trying to get out of things or they thought I didn't want to do this. or they thought I didn't want to do that. And then sitting with that, it was just like, that was my own little triggers that were coming in because I hadn't met my full potential in ways. And then another angle came in about like, what legacy do I want to leave? And at the end of this, like, what what is it for me? And I was like, what is it exactly that I'm feeling? And I I choose because it's changed. Over the last year, I've changed as a man in many different ways. I look back three years ago when I made the decision to come back and play rugby and give it my all. I was a completely different person. Like I've upgraded many times since then. So I'm like, what is it right now in this moment that I feel is the best thing for me to go forward and grow? And one of them was to speak to uh, one of our trainers who is very logical. And one of his big sayings is, if you don't push for performance, you're going to push for relaxation and then your body will know that and your mind will create like deficits in your body. So I had a conversation with him to be like, what do you think? And we married our little concepts together, and it felt right. So I'm still pushing myself to a degree to grow and develop other skills in other areas, but at the same time, I'm gonna be my full self on the weekend. Yeah. And hey, we haven't we haven't done it yet, so let's see, Let's see how it goes. Yeah. But
0: but in a way, it's really interesting you're saying that because how much of that stuff that is underneath this is about this idea, and I think it's quite a ridiculous idea because I'm not sure I've ever met anyone. That hasn't given their all in a game. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like the idea that you would go out there at that level when everyone's playing for each other and playing for themselves and playing for the passion, playing for the joy. And then if you want to take it down to a, a level of playing for your contract, playing for your worlds, playing for your career, whatever you're doing, playing for your family, nobody says, I can't be asked. Yeah. I'm going to walk, even though I can jog. Now at times you make a decision that I can't go on. And afterwards you look back and think, Oh, I could have but actually at the time, if you could have, you would have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's only looking back. So that's why I look at it and think no one ever doesn't give their all, mm-hmm. because even if you make a decision to not give your all, what other decision have you got? That's the one you made when you, you know what self harming is and you know what the, the desire is. So the mm-hmm. thing I think w- was me when I would, would have been hold on, I can't relax and go out there and let it free and trust. Cause if I trust, Something's going to come and get me or it will, for some reason, will be like, I'm not giving it my all. Mm. But in a way, I will look back now wondering that by playing so robotically and automatically and habitually, maybe the only thing that wasn't giving anything was the real me, which was almost so hidden behind this wall of like just compulsive behaviors. Yeah. When actually those moments in the flow state, when you do something on the field and you look back and go, how the hell did I do that? that's the only time you break that robotic wall.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's when the game's too quick for you, so you just do it. Oh uh, yeah. And and it's and it's why I would have it in drop goals but never in goal kicking. Yeah. <laughs> because in the goal kicking you stop and you have a good old think about how important you are and how you can't bear to fail. <laughs> Whereas when you hit a drop goal you just go, kind of, "Ah, just hit it." I think that's such a big opportunity in terms of that the way forward, but that's not the answer for everyone where they are in their lives. A lot of people are in the other space
1: it's that balance. Like You want that logical part that you've worked, right that computer that just has the discipline that it has. It knows the moves. It knows if you get to this part of the field, you're probably going to go here and you've got this shape outside you. Though I lost a big part of that. What's excitement when when you don't know what's going to happen? I, I played club rugby this year for a couple of games and it was awesome because there was balance to it and there was a, a shape, but it was just play what's in front. It was literally like We should have eight guys outside me here, but we've got three and I've got the ball. What am I going to do? Okay. Like it was just like, go watching numbers, seeing stimulus. It was just playing. And I felt so much joy from playing in those games because it was like I was a kid again, playing in the park. And it's, it's almost like I'm problem solving on the spot. I'm not just like moving around the corner here. Don't get touched. Okay. Now I can have a little look here. Now I can dig in a bit more. It was literally just like, go, go play here, hit this corner. And it was all, yeah. It was that perfect balance between a physical game like a mental game and then also being guided like spiritually but that that's a,
0: such a big thing i played in newcastle for mo- most of my club career and we got beaten a lot of the time but undoubtedly if you said to me show us a game if you're playing rugby i like i'd show you one from then yeah it'd probably be a game where we got beaten by 20 points but i'd show you that game why because of exactly what you said i was willing Maybe not necessarily willing myself, but I, when I got pushed into the unknown, when you take a ball so flat to the line (laughs) that you come up with, you come up with footwork, you (laughs) didn't even know you had because if (laughs) you don't come up with it, you know, you're going to get absolutely gone. So you kind of come (laughs) up with something because you're willing to put yourself in the position and let the intelligence respond for you rather than Mm. put yourself away from the action and then logically. I guess in some way compute or calculate the response, which is no longer a response. It's a calculation. Yeah. And when you, when I was in teams that were maybe overpowering and you had choice, you end up being in that place where you pretty much play through your mind.
1: Yeah.
0: It's always why you look at a team when they're 10 points down with about three minutes to go, you see everyone goes into the unknown space. Yeah. And this is why I think in terms of so much of the the training and the coaching and, and the stuff to to creating the unknown space. But to go there, it's almost like, okay, how do you get people to keep seeking the unknown in their lives? Yeah. Well,
1: yeah. On the footy field, it's rewarding that positivity. Well, a big part of, fun of rugby at the moment is, especially international footy, it's, it's a negative game. It's like, you make a mistake. no, I'll kick you the ball. You make a mistake. No, no, no. I'll yeah. give it. To, I'll put it out and we'll put pressure on your line and now you make a mistake. It's no longer the open, flowing game that it used to be. And hey, there's a, there's a beauty to that still as well. It's like how technical can you become? But at the same time, the joy of me playing rugby is the joy of the expression. It's the attack. It's opening up. It's the unknown. And I think that's what people love to play that sort of way. And that's what people love yeah. to see. But yeah, taking it into your life. Hey. What do you think?
0: Well, yeah, I, I think it's it's just challenge. It's vulnerability and almost stepping towards vulnerability. I find that, you know, if I made a mistake on the training field and you throw the ball and it's your pass is not where it should be and you start either behaving according to how you think you should, which is like, I'm going to really throw my fists around and say, ah, oh, you know, so people know that I don't normally do that and it's not right and I'm hard <laughs> on myself. And I know, but deep down, I may be feeling a bit ashamed or embarrassed. And the last thing I want to do is just walk tall. So maybe that's the one thing I do. The last thing I want to do is hold eye contact with people. So maybe that's the thing I explore. Yeah, wow. Why is it not okay for me to throw a ball on the floor and then hold eye contact with everyone and actually walk in a way that doesn't have swagger to it, but walk in a way that feels good for me to walk? Yeah. (laughs) So we all talk about things like it's okay to make mistakes, but you're kind of like, well... That doesn't just mean when someone makes a mistake, we say, don't worry about it. Just move on. It's like, no, no, if it's okay to make a mistake, then how does it look when it's really okay to make a mistake? Yeah. Wow. To properly just, you know, like stand there and go, I'm feeling vulnerable about that. And look someone in the eye and go, I'm going to hold my eye contact a bit longer. Yeah. Just to let you realize that it's okay. (laughs) Let's both sit in this okayness and then we'll move on. Oh, bro, I shanked my first two kickoffs on
1: (laughs) yesterday at training. (laughs) First one, I was just the same thing not throwing my toys, but like, you know, the action, like, it hell, like, come on, like, that's not me, just to let everyone know, like, that's not my standard. Yeah. <laughs> but I know exactly what you're talking about, where the, that's what happened, so let's reset and go again. Though it's the same with life, like, what I've found is whenever I feel like I've hit a new octave or I, I feel I've almost, like, leveled up and beaten this challenge, the next one's going to come around and hit you again, and it's going to hit you in the same way. like. Your backpack just keeps getting heavier. You just get better at reacting to it and responding to it and dealing with it. And I think that's the most beautiful thing is when something comes to me now that I deem as a challenge or it's out of the blue and it's caught me by God, it's an opportunity to learn more about yourself. And the more I take the charge off it, like, oh, this person's making me do this or they did that or this has come in. How the fuck did that how did I not see this? The more I can just be like, Well, everything that's coming into my world, I've created. So they didn't do anything to me. I allowed this to happen or I didn't set a clear enough boundary or okay, well, I don't have to deal with that. That's your stuff. I'll stay over here. Or this has come in. It might be stressful and you might think it's going to blow up your world, but it's a storm in a teacup. Most of the time it always is. And if you take the right steps to do it, that's where you learn the most. It's not from being just so carefree and being carefree is not the right way to go about it. But it's that balance. Like you always want to be challenged because that's how you learn and that's where you get the joy as well. From the pain, you get the pleasure.
0: It's not, for me, a life that means I'm never going to react. It's the understanding that I will always react, but how long am I going to react for? For, yeah. Rather than I'm not going to react because if you lived a life where you didn't react, there'd be no emotional journey. You'd experience nothing but the same thing you began with. But it's almost like the growth is bringing that reaction back into conscious response and that for me is is kind of I think when you mentioned about revealing something about yourself I think that's the bit underneath everything that's always there and if it becomes about winning and it doesn't become that deeper understanding that this is only about you finding out more about you by the way you know, like we've spoken at the beginning about how we both were when we were younger and how we both are now. And now that has been found out through what we've been through. And by sort of recognising that that's what's, what's happening, there's this excitement, as you said, that takes place once you leave the pitch and head on to something else. You're still in that journey. There is no, oh, it was great when I was a rugby player. It's like, well, it was great when I was finding out about myself. What am I doing now? I'm still finding out about myself. Yeah. Because I wonder, I was going to ask you now two things. One about, you mentioned about maybe when you were younger and things were a bit more kind of like looking for the highs off the field. And then there was a stint of being a bit more like disciplined. I I shouldn't, shouldn't do this. But how do you recover in terms of look after your body with this new or this ever updating outlook on your body and your physical kind of existence? And it's no longer presumably like it was for me, just a kind of thing that, does what you you tell it to It's now this you know it's something bigger than that so how do you recover and then moving on from that which we'll get to next is is what does that journey mean for you is is moving into definitely not the end of your career but certainly you know it's it's the second half yeah how do you look ahead now to is there going to be a line in the sand which is going to be a tough one to cross when you say that's it for rugby but you know you said you've already come back so i'd love to hear your views on what you feel retirement holds for you from rugby and whether that makes any difference at all? It's very simple. Uh,
1: the things I love most in this world now my morning coffee, my walk with my partner and, and my dog. I do have a nice little setup where I am. We've got a couple alpacas, some chickens, got a sauna with my friend converting an old freezer for me into an ice bath. Have my little gym wow. from bits and pieces I picked up during COVID from the Reds gym that I still haven't returned. <laughs>
0: You shouldn't be saying that now, mate. You've done oh, yourself man. in the I've eye I've said there, it plenty
1: but. of times, you guys bring the truck out, I'll put it back on there. <laughs> I, I love my home and I love being at home and that's how I recover. It doesn't need to be anything huge. So I just literally respond to what my body wants. If I've had a game, I've played a game and it wants ice, I'll give it ice. But sometimes my nervous system's too stimulated and a sauna is what it's sort of requiring is to get a bit of heat in me. But it's, it's not like my pleasures have changed a lot. I feel like, i filled the hole in me that required like such a, a release all the time. From a young age, I chased pleasure a lot, whether it was to go bowling, then I'd go to putt-putt, then would go out, then when I'd, I'd do this thing. I was always on the move because I didn't want to be still and alone with myself. So therefore, if I didn't get what I needed from the game of rugby, if I hadn't got that, I would finish it off that night. Which may lead to the next night and the next day as well.
0: Yeah, sure, interesting.
1: But right now, um, my life has changed a lot. My life has changed a lot. Obviously, I've like most people when they get a little bit older, they sort of they don't want to put themselves in such a deficit and so much pain. Like, I don't enjoy being hungover at all, so I don't want that for my body <laughs> ever. When I feel like I've gone even just a little, like if I haven't slept as well as I could, have, or I haven't done, haven't fueled my body with the right food. Like I feel that in my body, just that little one degree difference. And it agitates me to the point where like, okay, let's come back here internal. Let's do a little bit of breathing or let's do something to, you know, just fill that void and get myself back in, on track and moving efficiently to where I feel my greatest and most vibrant. So do I want to be hungover? Never. I've, it takes a lot <laughs> for the guys to get me out. To have
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's cool because I recognize that at some point, it, it does become obvious. But until it becomes obvious, it's obviously not obvious enough. I'm just wondering about looking at younger people and thinking, well, the answer isn't necessarily, uh, as often is the way, you know, you kind of, some people might use their personal truth to become everyone's truth. You know, like, well, I recover brilliantly by going for a walk. So, you know, everyone on your day off, you should all go for a walk. You're like, well, no, it's first, like you said, when you were younger, you would have discarded that.
1: I oh, mate, when I was at Talon, there was people going on walks. And my father, Bridget was like, "Oh, like, do you want to go on a walk?" And I'd look at them and be like, "Look, <laughs> like, that's so fake. They don't want to go on that walk with their girlfriend. <laughs> they want to be doing what I'm doing." Yeah, <laughs> but now but, but, it's completely flipped, and now I'm like, I would, <laughs> I'm the complete opposite. I'm yeah, I'm on that walk, and I'm looking at someone doing what I was doing, and I'm like, "Oh, brother!" <laughs> but at the same time, it's everyone's own experience. They got to find their own releases and their hey, this is their journey to go on and, and realize what fulfills them, what ticks their boxes, and why are they looking at externally all the time? Why do they want to always go to that place? What are they missing? Or maybe they are. There's guys who just go out and have pure joy and can tick a little box and then come back and find it in this way. Hey, it's their journey to experience.
0: Exactly. And But it, but I think the key is not the thing, the, the what. It's just that it's more conscious, the why as well. Yeah, you, you at least understand that there's choice in that kind of bringing yourself back. Like you said, you know, like, I oh, might, I feel like I'm a bit here. I'll do some breathing, bring myself back. And suddenly you're kind of like, okay, you get that space of what is it I really want to do here? Mm. And it's almost like, okay, the reaction tells me I want to do this. Hold on, let me just, ah, uh, no, what does that I really want to do? No, I do want to do that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But to spend a lot of time doing stuff that when you look back, you're like, I'm not sure I really wanted to be doing that. Mm-hmm. that's the bit, the difference is that I agree, everyone's got all these amazing different journeys, but the more consciously we can sort of be involving ourselves in them, the more that they quickly evolve into amazing, newer, and as you said, more updated things, mm-hmm. which brings me, I guess, to that point that the rugby being a journey, understanding a bit more about why am I here playing rugby can help with that next stage of, okay, now rugby's not such a big part of my life where am I going now? But unless there's that understanding of why am I here beyond, you know, what is this thing for me? What's it really mean? And how can I find that constant, which will still be here when rugby's gone without that grounding, Mm -hmm. it can be quite a shaking impact. So what you said you came back to rugby. What happened in that break?
1: Uh, Well, I I nearly died a few times. I had a few overdoses, um, seizures. Would have been 2016. I had about yeah, had three seizures, um, which was a dark place. But it's funny, the darkest place for me from that wasn't actually having the seizures, it was the fact that people were gonna be questioning what I was doing and how I got to that point and yeah, it was uh it was my rock bottom to yeah. okay. look at my and be like, Everyone else is scared for you. Why am I not scared? And like what like what is just again, like you said, sit down and just what's the why for this? Why am I chasing that? Why am I doing this? Why is this happening to me? So that was sort of the the pinnacle of me just changing my perception of my journey and my world, and not seeing rugby as I wanted to escape it and go live on an island to be on, on my own and and everything, and really just sort of lean into life and be like, okay, like if I lose everything right now, who am I? What am I? If I quit rugby right now, like what is what is it to me? And then from that question and that journey started, I started building again, like you said, habits, habits I had lost because I'd completely gone in the opposite direction of what a professional rugby player looks like. And I just started being a lot gentler on myself and I closed out all the external world and and everything, just started playing rugby for myself. And part of that journey back was I wanted to prove that I could come back to myself. And I also wanted to prove that someone who'd gone to the places I'd gone to could have a fresh start and do it and you know make it if they put their mind to it and they really believed in what they were doing and loved their craft and, and whatnot wow
0: geez when you said it was your rock bottom it's funny how things like that can can be that catalyst that that sort of brings about a conscious nature because i guess without it if that's your rock bottom and you don't become aware of how or why it's happening or a bit more of that then i guess you take one more step in that direction. What's next? I guess you have to take a a step somewhere else. What did you come to in terms of what sort of changed in in you? You mentioned already, did you already have a feeling about something bigger? Yeah, I know that when we were talking at Toulon, there there was lots of new stuff coming up in your world, lots of curiosities about things bigger than rugby, bigger than life and all these experiences. How did all that marry in with what was happening? Because I think one thing that, We've experienced on this podcast, or, or expressed, it's quite been quite interesting. Is this idea we were talking about before about no more reactions, no more challenges. It's like that's that's not at all what what it's about. It's not like you went through what you went through, you had an awakening in some way, and it's like yeah, well that doesn't mean that was the end of tough times or challenges yeah. or whatever. What do you make of what was going on at that time?
1: Well, exactly that like you said. I I believe I was awakening to the world and. In- the non-physical. Like I'd, I'd come from a Christian background. My dad was a minister, but I'd turn my back on anything. Or everything I lived was physical, even mentally. Like I was so up and down and here and that and there. Like if a, a struggle came, like it would destroy me for two weeks. So then I numb myself to be able to get through, to get all like out of it. So by that stage, I was. Well, the information I was finding. We were talking about Sadhguru. I think in like 2015, you introduced me to him and. Seeing like hearing some of his words and really like hitting, you know, that place where it's remembrance. So I was, my whole world was changing and I was opening up, but I still had these habits and I was still chasing. But, yeah. I was in a lot of conflict. I was a man of contradictions. But, yeah. I was having a deep awakening. And then that point was just like, it was almost like the final shot to be like, pick, where do you want to go? It's almost like, Hey, pick, you can go to this light side or you can go down that dark side what, what do you want? You make a decision. You can't you know sit on the fence anymore. So I chose to follow what was lighting me up, which was that there was more to this world, more to this reality. And I, and I was a kid playing with that. And that's what turned me around because it was so joyful because it was a new element of life. I was literally like a kid again, just playing with like these new concepts, seeing these new, like this new information, even just slowly rebuilding my physical body and my, and my mind was, It was such a cool game that I was playing. It was like the ultimate video game.
0: It sounds like a reinvention almost. And I think I mentioned this before in some way down the line, just about me going to Toulon in a way was a very non-traumatic reinvention because I went to somewhere where everyone spoke a different language. I was living by the sea. It was sunny the whole time. And in a way for me, that meant I was on holiday. Yeah being British. So as I went there, you get a holiday spirit, which is a bit like you said, this sense of play. Because when you mentioned the dark side, it's quite easy sometimes to think of the dark side. as there's some sort of evil or malice or I know what I'm doing and I'm going to go down this route. But I think the dark side for me always represented trying to solve the fears, trying to prove the idea, whatever it be, that was the dark side. It wasn't that, yeah, there was anything dark about it, but the light side was to face that vulnerability, to face that kind of challenge and i think for me there was that brief moment of reinvention but because as you mentioned about the being man of conflict mm. for me there was this massive kind of space of once i got going again as soon as at toulon Yeah, having these days of going training and playing matches and then going and eating in a restaurant outside and walking by the sea. Yeah, that was that was a beautiful balance physically. But as soon as I started to get a bit of success or people started, you know, to to play on those old habits of mine, I straight away went into that kind of survival mode again. Straight into you know, the old me came shining through. And I guess that was up to me again, years and years later to start facing it again and face it again and face it again and face it again. And I think in a way for me, facing that vulnerability has been that journey, which keeps it ever fresh and updating Yeah. as I kind of continue to, to face vulnerability. I, I do find that for me, that's the space of updating. And I, I guess it takes a bit of, for me anyway, to to recognize when I'm habitually or automatically reacting and, and, I'm working on behalf of my insufficiency or whatever it be versus when I'm facing vulnerability, that's become the journey. Do you think as you're moving, you're becoming more and more comfortable with vulnerability? Yeah. Like you mentioned about the two kicks you hit yesterday. Yeah. When, you know, you hit them, are you able to stand there a bit more?
1: I think the biggest thing that took pressure off me was I can take the piss out of myself right now and I can just play (laughs) constantly. (laughs) That's brilliant. Yeah. So I'm, as I'm doing it, I'm, Still throwing chat at the boys, still throwing them like, and they throwing it back at me. And it, and it just creates that game. So it's like you said, it's an error, but at the same time, it's like, Hey, I am very human and I'm very aware of that. And I know where my shortfalls are and I know my whys and, and it's constantly changing. And the key to the game I am playing right now is that vulnerability one. And it's vulnerable isn't it? like weak. It's like for me, I see it as powerful because it's my complete truth. And I I liked what you're touching on with that, with that dark side as well. It's not like it's a bad thing. I love that dark side because that empowers me. Like it keeps my boundaries, it keeps the fire alive. It's just marrying the two together and then exploring them as they go. Like my talon was quite different to yours because yeah, it was a holiday element, but I was 23, so I was I was in Ibiza.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) different kind of holiday. Yeah.
1: But I think my first game, I missed like three tackles and Bernard. Speaking in French, so I didn't know what he said, but I asked Gitz, and he's like, James, you're not at club med. Get off the piss and stop doing your hair. You're not Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that was his, his first comment to me, I think that I'd ever had with him. So it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a very different journey, but it was one I, I really appreciated. And I learned a lot about myself because I like said there was, it was the first time I'd. Just been at home for a long period of time. There was, I didn't really care about like the whole media element because it was all in French and. Yeah, completely. Exactly that as well. There was such an authentic side to it. Like even the supporters and the fans and the locals in the town was very, it was a tough time of my life, but it was a very beautiful time in my life as well, where I got
0: a huge understanding into who I am and, and how I wanted to live my life. It's really interesting because the more I'm thinking about these things, yeah, that keep coming up in my mind, what have you, the performance or wh- whatever is, is such a big part of life. Because I feel like anytime you do anything, every time you have the min- most miniature goal, even just, you know, picking up a cup of coffee from the desk, it's a performance. You're doing something, you're performing. And the only other thing underneath performance is your being. So I started to think about this whole kind of performance idea is it's peace and that being and that oneness. And then it's play. You're playing a role in that performance and it's all tied in with this idea of potential And when you said about being able to take the piss out of yourself it's being playful Mm. it's having that understanding that i can play with this moment it doesn't necessarily mean this like i would have done in my life if i missed a kick oh my god it means this It'll be a stain on my
1: yeah.
0: resume for the rest of my life, and everyone will remember it. You know, I remember being ten years old and and thinking that these parents would remember this kick I missed from a school <laughs> game for the rest of their lives. And I and for months it crucified me. But having that ability to play just means that you're just not prepared to fix ideas, mm-hmm. at least of all yourself. When you can play with yourself, you know you can you can have that kind of idea that you know my identity, who I am. I can mess around with it yeah yeah this is what i wanted to talk about you as well a little bit here is that your gift your passion and the reason you're playing rugby do you have you come to an understanding a little bit more about that you know i think we've had a brilliant chat on the podcast a good few series ago from a guy called bernardo castro and he was talking about how we all want to take ownership of everything we want to take ownership of our gift so that we say you know oh well I own that gift in a way and that I own everything I'm thinking is mine, where his understanding was a bit more coming from this idea that your thoughts come through you, feelings come through you and that your gift expresses through you, you don't own it. And it reminded me a little bit of kicking a ball and that you hit this amazing, beautiful kick and then you try and replicate it. But by trying to replicate it, you assume that you owned the first one and your next one, it doesn't even sort of hold a candle to the first one. And when you say update yourself, that's what I think is that you clear the slate of that ownership to say, right, what I've done that felt so amazing was because I let it out and I allowed it. And if I want it to be amazing again, if I try and copy it, it means I must take ownership for it. Mm. I turn it into a formula that because I did this, 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 because people did this, 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 because everyone said this, because I prepared that way, that's why it worked. And therefore, I must do everything exactly the same, if not harder, to make it work again. And there are slight elements to the physical side of that, but actually, the beauty of getting in the flow is that you just say, "Sod it." Yeah, I'm you, letting it all out. That's the letting go. I, I love that concept.
1: It's coming through your thoughts, your emotions, your gift. Never thought of it that way, and it resonates with me hugely because there's there's huge key parts of the game that I don't remember, like when I'm playing. Like I, I remember, but it's not like I was there. It's almost, yeah, yeah. it's a oh, strange thing. Yeah. Even like some calls I made, they're like, why did you call this? Like the call was that, like it worked, it worked for really that. And I'm like, I don't know. I just let it take over. I'm like, my gut's telling me this. I've got a big thing saying this is the play or this is the move. I don't know why I did it. I don't know how I did it. I, I can't tell you. I just let go and it happened. So that's a, that's a really cool concept because. I've tried to replicate it or I've tried to take ownership of it and then no, nah. <laughs> <laughs> intercept or yeah, or kick out on the full or I remember like one of my, um, old friends, I was, he could see the moment, like I would leave from like that flow state back into like ownership of, Hey, I'm on the field. This is James O'Connor doing this and strutting around. Even though it was just a subtlety and energy, like I would do something that just really flowed, but then I'd almost like admire it and then he could see me almost like go into the next play like this. And then always my response after I'd taken ownership or made it about me, wasn't the same outcome. And a lot of the time it was the negative outcome. Yeah.
0: Cause you're claiming, you're claiming ownership over something. Go, yeah. I understand now that's a cool concept. I used to almost claim ownership over my teammates. <laughs> because i had so little trust i'd almost be like yeah you walk around saying things like yeah like i'm really bringing out the best in someone you're like yeah i mean that's not just ownership of you that's ownership of someone yes. else and that's not heading to an amazing space i think that that ownership idea is a massive part of trusting and so his big point ultimately or not his big point yeah, i'm sure he has far bigger points than this but the one that really came across to me was that the power of performance is in you getting out of your own way. Yeah. And yet what we spend a lot of our time doing is, is actually getting in our own way, Mm. which we talk about as being overthinking and all this kind of stuff. When it gets way too far, we call it overthinking or the yips or huge anxiety or whatever it is. But a lot of the time, the ability to just go out there and just fire so it brings me to the point how do you relate now a little bit more to being on the field do you feel a bit more empowered as to understanding that you know whatever happens I will define what this means to me yeah is that part of this journey
1: well I'm the only one living in this body I'm the only one here experiencing what I'm experiencing and hey it does it is cyclical and it goes through waves and on the field I've been at times just standing fully back and other times I've just gone in and, and got it and then you rebalance and you refine that again and hey, I went through a big experience last year where I got dropped from the Wallaby squad. And again, like I, I wasn't me they were getting. And I knew they weren't getting me. But I was sort of just existing for the fact that I was like, oh, I'll just you know, get to the end of this year, then I'll turn it up again for the World Cup. And then I'll have my last year with international rugby and it'll be all hurrah. And I realized, oh, well, I was actually projecting and I was living in that space where I was just getting to a point where I told myself I would never get to that place again, but you can slip into it when the less you're spending with yourself, the less you're really sitting with it, asking your why, so you can fall into the, these patterns. And it goes back again to that that mental stuff. It's like, what are we training? Are we actually training to be and respond and be in that flow state? Or are we training every single moment, logically, using your computer mind, this and that? And I think that's sort of the answer to both those questions is wherever you spend most of your time is where you're going to go to. And if I'm in an environment where I am just rewarding the logic, making he's the master, my mind is the master, so is my body. Then, hey, I'm not like actually nurturing what is my driving force and what I know is the main element of me living. So yeah, to answer that, as soon as I come home to myself, there is no other judge. I don't really, not I don't really care. But it's just you're living above a space where anything else matters apart from what is going on internally
0: for you and what is true for you. Yeah. I just, You know, with what you're talking about there, I was just thinking about what is the space when you're not reinforcing that my mind's the master and logic's the king and all this sort of thing. And it, it is that, for me, it's always been that, the space of no answer. I've always wanted an answer, you know, from the coach, from the crowd, you know, how did I do? I want them to let me know. I want to know mm-hmm. how everyone thinks how I did. But to live in that space of not knowing, so dangerous Yeah. after a game you you have your analysis and you just want to know everything's good for you i think the biggest vulnerability is actually living in that space of not knowing yeah and finding your feet in not knowing Mm. because then you're in that space of spontaneity where you are i think operating because that logic side is so so big for me as i got more and more worried about reputation and wanting to survive and keep it alive and keep it as is i went to formulas in my head yeah right okay this is how i need to train this week this is how we need to play this game i wrote more and more notes i read them more and more before the game i did more and more preparation so much so that i basically continued to prepare through the game yeah <laughs> So that i didn't yeah. actually play yeah I was, through the game i'm still preparing the game and not playing it
1: oh that's such an interesting topic it's- the more you go looking for that external applaud or how did I do or this or that, the more you've left yourself, the more it's like, hey, I don't need this man to tell me how I did. I don't need these stats to tell me how it was. I was there in the moment. I felt it out and I responded. I would say exactly to the stimulus in the perfect way that I saw possible. This was my truth on the field. I don't need this coach telling me, oh, like why didn't you take this option or that? I'm like, I was there. I felt it. And this is what felt right to me. And I've been in that state. like. Back when I was playing in twenty twenty one, I was in such a empowering, blissful state where I didn't care. It was just I go out on the field and that is the truest expression of me in that moment is that's my masterpiece. Hey, I chipped away, the nose isn't right and had a little error there, and that wasn't like, hey, his hair doesn't look right and <laughs> but that was my masterpiece. Yeah. And I'm happy with it. It's beautiful and I can let it go and I'd get home and perfect. And then I I crept into a little a place of real like looking for validation again because i'd been injured at the end of that year and and i slowly left my path and started reaching out externally for this and did i do good (laughs) did i do good dad you know that sort of yeah yeah reaching out and have a look at this game like do you like that and it wasn't until maybe two months into that i realized and i was like what are you doing like what is this game you're playing because it's not your truth and it's just yeah what isn't real? It's just like a form of manipulation. I'm showing yeah. like this to get this, to pull that like cord and press that button to get that. And it's like, that does not light me up at all. And it's not conducive to a, a great environment at all. And if other guys have seen me do that as well, they're like, "That's a, it's a lie. It's not real. So yeah, I've really just, the journey for my last couple of months has just been coming back here and just being happy and okay with whatever I produce on the field, whatever I'm doing off the field, what is lighting me up and what is true to me is is my path. And if other people don't appreciate that, cool. I've been dropped from the Wallabies now. I realized that I was attached to that. I still had a huge attachment to being in that gold jersey and it really did shatter me. But as soon as I moved on, I realized, oh, wow, I'm so much like the joy started coming into my life. The opportunities started coming. I was, for a long time, for about six months, I was pushing buttons and I said life after rugby, I'd been looking for different elements because it is, I am coming to the home stretch and nothing was coming my way. And I was like, why, universe, why aren't you putting things in my path? Like I was batting things away just six months ago. Now I'm having to like squeeze opportunities and even like they don't feel right. And then as soon as I just was like, oh, of course, like how would I be rewarded for playing a game that isn't true to me? And also, like, my eyes are are closed. So as soon as I just sat and wasn't as easy as just sitting and letting go. There was a, a lot a lot more that came out, as you know, when you're Yeah. Getting to that space. But as soon as I got to that space, it was like, bang, opportunity
0: here. I was having to start batting him away again. Which is a beautiful place to be as a generator. It is a beautiful place to be And in, in the kind of the law of the attraction, just to the way this is sounding to me, and certainly like really makes sense is that the two phrases being that when you stop craving it, it will appear. And I think the only way to stop craving something is that you, like you said, you are truly there simply experiencing you. And that's when it appears. When there's any part of you that's on that external, you're craving it. And the other part of the way of looking at that for me, which always makes sense was me going out there and saying, I'm gonna be free out there. And then thinking at the same time, is it working? (laughs) <laughs> it's, like it's a massive contradiction. Yeah. I'm being free. It hasn't worked yet. I better go be free again. Yeah. It's not worked. It's yeah. like, but the, th- but you either are or you aren't. And the constant sort of movement towards getting back into that space is almost kind of that reaction to say, okay, I'm going. I, I can feel myself being led out there, come back and almost to saying, look, I've got to start playing according to what I really know. And what is it I really, really know for sure? And all I can say is me now. Yeah. You can never know whether that next kick's going to go over the post. You can never know whether you're going to make those tackles or not. You can never know whether you're going to win this game. But what you can truly know is you now. But you yeah. can't know it in a way that I can describe it to you. I can just know it. And I think that inner journey, as you mentioned about looking for that validation is interesting because sometimes when you're kicking a ball with someone, as a little exercise, you kind of say, right, I want you to tell me how this one feels. Okay. And what people will do is kick the ball. And I say, right, how did it feel? And then they'll look at the ball and then they'll give me an answer. And I'll say, well, no, no, no. Okay. Do it again, but don't look this time. Now tell me how it feels. And they'll kick a ball and they look at me and go, good. <laughs> I'm like, I think yeah. you're asking me. Yeah. I'm not, as you just said, you're in your body. How does it I don't feel know to how you? it felt. Yeah. How does it feel to you? And then they'll do it again and then go, it felt. And just before they, they say something, they'll flick their eyes up and just catch a glimpse of where it goes before they answer. Yeah. And it's so powerful that our feeling is massively related to what do you think I should feel? Or let me have a look how things turned out first. And then I'll tell you what my feeling is. But that journey into knowing what you really know, I think it's through that. How, did, yeah. like you said about what, what does my body need in recovery? You know, like sometimes I'll go in in the gym and work out. I haven't asked my body a thing. yeah. And if I did ask it, i would be like, I haven't got a clue what it's saying. But to get to know it more, but as you said, by sitting and and breathing and and having a walk and being honest with yourself and exploring stuff, you can get to know it a lot more. And I think that's not something necessarily reserved for being older. Mm. I think that can be a younger journey as well.
1: Oh, for sure. Well, we're we're so outcome-based. Like, how does it feel? Well, Good. Like, where did it go? Was it hair? Like, we're so conditioned to, it's either yes or no, right or wrong. And very rarely do we actually go on sudden. How did it actually feel for you? Oh, like I felt that thud and, oh, it was smooth and I, I got on the top of it and I really felt it fold over itself and ping off and the journey in it yeah. just keeps going deeper and deeper. And hey, I was trying to play another man's game at, the, at that Wallabies level. And as soon as I brought it back to me, back to how I play, like how I am in this particular moment, This is how I'm expressing myself right now. And this is what's true for me. And this is, and it works because I, I'm out of time again and I'm not making decisions through my mind. I'm just like that kid playing. And I think for me, when you don't need anything, and I I don't mean like need from anyone, we're pack animals, we're humans, but when you're just so secure in yourself where you're just content and everything that just comes to you, you can decipher through it and yes to this, no to that. It's that deep knowing. And it's a beautiful place to get into. It's like that peace of that that just deep, profound, you're sitting low in yourself. You're sitting right in your in your balls as a man. You're just you're just light but heavy. Anything that comes to me I've experienced is just hey, it's all part of the journey and and I love it. I want it. Embrace more. Come, come, let's see, let's let's play. What is
0: it that I mean, obviously rugby is a huge Guide. It sounds like, you know, is that stimulus you mentioned? I find it's still part of mine now that I find myself around ball sports is where I do a lot of revealing. If I put myself in a position of saying, can I achieve this? How do I do it through feel? Can I match up an image within myself, an energy within myself that matches to the external? And can I just create that instantaneous rather than this idea of manipulating this ball going from here to there and traveling this many meters? It's just a straightforward like you said, a non-physical way of performing. And and I love that. And it's a huge part of my life. So I understand how sport's still obviously a massive player in yours. But outside of it, I know when we were speaking about this journey, about revealing more about who you are through rugby or through whatever it is, what is it you're finding out about who you are and how's that reflecting in the kind of things that you want to do with your life, you know, outside of rugby or beyond rugby?
1: Yeah, so we started talking about like the journey after footy. And I'm not certain, yeah, because it hasn't made itself clear yet. Like, I haven't been given the full picture. I've only been glimpses of, okay, this has come in and it feels like a big yes. So, okay, I'll push that button and I'll explore it. Like, recently did my coaching course and I bought a property down in, um on the New South Wales border in the rainforest. We've got 125 acres down there and some cabins. And where I feel it's going, it's hard to say because I'm not, Again, I don't have the answers yet. It's definitely in a space of development. How that looks, I, I believe it will be in sport with people in sport. But there's just a big calling as well to just men in the world for me personally. I'm a man. I know men. It's something that I've, I've played in this direction. I've gone all the way here. I've gone all the way here and then finding that balance and meshing it together. I just, again, with my truth that I love truth and I love being able to share with people on, on a, on a deeper level where like, what is their experience? Just because mine went this way it doesn't mean yours has to, but what is your why? Where's your truth and how does that look? And how possibly can I help facilitate you to get to that next little space, that little pocket of just knowing? Then you can start doing it for yourself. So whether that's in body and movement, working with the mind, um, there's quite a bit in that space that I'm, I'm really excited about. Like when we talk about recovery, for me, recovery is, it's just reigniting the engine. Obviously, it's getting your right sleep and eating the right way, but it's allowing yourself to feel that joy and have passions in this world. The more I go into that logical, again, like you writing your plays, hey, I've got a scrapbook of a hundred of the best plays no one's ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) But the more I go into that, the more I take from this, like I said, it's that balance of just, I'm here, I'm moving, I'm, I'm playing. And then it's just connecting all those dots
0: together. I know when I was younger, you know, Steve Black, a guy who was a huge mentor for me during my life. When I was 18 in Newcastle, the first professional part of my my career. So this is late 90s. He would put us in the, um, the, the club had a crash and we all lay down all the soft play stuff after a training session. And he goes, I want to say that and he, you're going to close your eyes. And he did like a full on visualization with us. But it was to do all with this stuff in a beautiful kind of... We're going to create a soothing kind of space for you. And then we're going to talk about amazing things and create this. And of course, 18-year-old, when we had these sessions, two things happened. Either I spent most of my time looking around at other people being like, what on earth is this about? Like, is this, is this a joke? Checking my watch or falling asleep? Yeah. Now, he used to say, actually, falling asleep's not a problem. The words are still going in. Don't worry. He was kind of like, you know, it's still working. But now... I find myself incredibly drawn towards deeper understandings around things like breathing or uh, yoga or, like you said, passions or walking or meditation or silence or this kind of stuff that just seemed so pointless. I mean, for me, when I was playing rugby, I wouldn't even go and see the physio because I figured that was a waste of time. Because <laughs> you know, I was like, I should be out on the field. That's all that mattered. But now I find myself in that recovery space. If I was playing now, it'd be like, what are you going to do to recover? I'd be like, i go and sit, breathe. Yeah. That'll be one. Sit, breathe in nature. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Sit, breathe in nature. Exactly what I was going to say. And it's funny that, yeah, that wouldn't be right for everyone. But do you feel like your life is internally slowing down? More patience, more kind of time and space for that?
1: Well, it, it's that, like the comment I meant about not needing anything, it's that self sustainability. So we have like animals to, for food, we got like, a, have a little garden where we're, you know food again it's all like it all comes back to like me just taking ownership of my world so yeah breathing like i've got a, a good friend of mine richie bostock is a a master of breathing so i've spent a lot of time with him just learning different techniques and how to just be able to play with my chemistry and my body which is it's all that's so i find it so intriguing and fun it's like i can breathe in this way to do this and then i can tweak it like that and then it's like a deep knowing inside where i just know exactly what breath to go to like the ice bar stuff I studied a lot of Wim Hof. I actually when I spent a week with Led Hamilton, which is pretty cool through sips, yeah, wow that was a cool little yeah. um, thing he set up there. um they're getting in nature it's just it's almost like I'm not saying like like okay today I'm gonna go do this it's almost like I just I'm waking up and it's getting into that space where it's like, what am I being drawn to today, and what do I want to go explore, and how can I explore that to the best of my ability by just being really open to it and just Getting all the energy from that to be able to put that somewhere else and give it away as well at times, which is where that whole connection piece of the coaching element in rugby and the thing I'm doing here on the right with, I guess, consciousness and and language and I guess recovery and accountability and like this whole movement and just whether it comes together or whether they're just two separate things and or whether something's put in front of me that's completely opposite. I'm not stuck on. Anything, I'm sort of just in that space where pushing a few buttons and hey, what comes to me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go at it and I'm gonna embrace it. That's
0: kind of bringing us full circle to, like you said, that performance angle of just being on the field and being able to say, right, if I'm gonna use every faculty I have, all my sensory stuff, everything, I need to be fully present. I need to be absolutely receptive and responsive. And one thing I know is, is that if you're gonna throw a ball at me, say so you're going to throw a tennis ball at me and it could go anywhere. The best thing for me to do is stand loose and just be ready. Yeah. Because as soon as I start to guess, you might throw it left and I lean left. Now I have to hope it goes left exactly as I want it. Otherwise anywhere else it goes, I'm done. Yeah. And I see this in in the way that I played. I was like a a robot. I was tense in the shoulders. I was marching around the field. And if something happened that I didn't have in that, list of things I'd written down or prepared for or practice during the week. I was shocked, traumatically yeah. shocked by it. And if I made a mistake, I mean, that completely wrecked me. So the idea about having this looseness and having this kind of sense about that, which, which then you're kind of almost, I guess, encouraged to create a melange or mould together with the team stuff and how that all fits in. Sounds like that's going to do plenty to challenge you. But I love the idea about, Staying loose in that space. I heard someone say to uh, a while back, to say, you know, one of the most powerful things to do is to find and follow that highest excitement in any moment. And what that doesn't mean is that, okay, well, I love surfing. I'm going to surf. It's like, well, no, I have to be at work today. Yeah. So according to where I have to be and what I have to do, what's my highest excitement? Yeah. And I think that's part of it. You know, okay, we're doing a rucking drill, right? Having a look around. Yeah. I'm doing this. Yeah. There's no other way. I'm doing it. So, what's my highest excitement about this? And you could say, well, finishing
1: yeah, yeah, it hey, being over. It might be me sliding to the back a few times, <laughs> getting one or two reps in. Or Yeah, it might be me diving back in or tying my shoelaces up a few times. Hey, I've, I've been on that opposite end of being real loose and flowy to like, almost I've got like this little kid in me that likes to throw a tantrum. If I've planned something logically and someone leaves it or someone's like listening properly, just because I'm in this space, you have to be in this space now and you will listen. And if this doesn't work, why don't it work? And wow, it's, it's such a, yeah, it's, a, it's a fun game. <laughs> I love that the most excitement in each moment. Cause when, when you're finding that excitement in each moment as well, it's, it's freeing. Like you have unlimited energy. I've been on the other end of the spectrum as well, where it's like, okay, I just got to get through this to get to the, the nectar, to get to the honey. Okay. We've got four meetings today and two sessions and. This one's gonna be a boring meeting, and this training session I'm not really gonna enjoy. So then you're going into it with that preconception already. So of course it's gonna be draining for you. And then you find half the time it may have been enjoyable if you just uncrossed your arms and were free to life, and you didn't have to be a this particular way in that meeting or in that training session.
0: Exactly. It's almost like a way of kind of getting the momentum rolling. In terms of possibility if i start with this tiny excitement in this one then it leads to this bigger excitement here and before you know it towards the end of the day you're following excitement with a momentum which is like you said just putting yeah. things in your path and suddenly you're asking yourself geez you know how's this all coming about or as is sometimes the case with everyone you know you, you can start to basically find your your lowest disappointment in every moment. Yeah, you can. someone could come along and be like, we're doing this drill. And the first thing you look at is like, oh God, this is a waste of time. You're finding your, <laughs> yeah. your least excitement and really focusing on that. Self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> exactly. Before you know at the end of the day, you're like, I want to give up rugby. Yeah, yeah when you're saying that every coach is rubbish and all my teammates, you know, they couldn't give a tot and all this stuff. I love the challenge you've got ahead of you. And I love being able to speak to you because you're right in the middle of the game and you're living that truth. You know, it's not one of those kind of, I'm a defense coach or a kicking coach who can look back and just say, I can talk about kicking like you should never miss because I've finished playing and I don't have to put my neck on the block anymore. Yeah. Whereas you're in there, you know, and this is stuff where you're facing that challenge day in, day out of, are you going to play that game of the recognition and the reputation asking, well, where does it lead? What's waiting at the end of that journey? Or that journey you're talking about, which is that ever expanding inner one, which is leading somewhere brand new in every moment but there's a yeah you're dealing with i think some of the biggest questions or the biggest challenges of of humanity which is you know to go against that safety security comfort and the societal views of wealth and all the physical stuff that makes you a success and a man and you know all this kind of stuff versus that journey of being like well, heading into the space where there's no guarantee Mm. apart from like you said finding out more about you Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a, it is a beautiful place to be. And in saying that it's not just one decision. Every time you're met with a choice, you have the choice to go with it, lean in or to pull back. Maybe four days ago, we had these stats sent out about our goal kicking from last year. And, um, I got a stat that said I was goal kicking at 78%. And I was like, straight away, I felt that, like that little thing building me like how I'm not kicking at 78%. Like, Oh, well that's because you guys were making me kick from the sideline. And I was having a kick just listening to that little kid start talking. That's when you have that that moment to choose. Like, what are you going to feed? Am I going to feed into this and soak and be like, or am I just going to be like, oh, that's interesting. Okay, cool. Well, that wasn't exactly where I thought I was at. But hey, we can knuckle down yeah. and double down or like you have the choice not to respond to things as well.
0: The power of that coming back to that understanding of, if I really know this, then why do I react to it? Like you mm-hmm. said, if you had this being spoken about the difference between what you believe and what you know and if you believe you're a good kicker and someone says well you're kicking at 78 percent," you react even though you believe you're a good kicker you react to saying well hold on i'll prove to you i'm not no that's because you know you're making me kick from the 50 out and i had all these kicks and whatever 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 but if you know it there's no reaction yeah it's often a good indication, but if I know I'm a good kicker, or I know that I'm not necessarily a good kicker, but if I know that I'm kicking at my fullest and I'm happy with where I kick, then yeah, you know, it's a good sort of space to be in when someone challenges you to be like, oh, hold on, I've got some work to do to know this mm. and not to stop short on the belief of it. And that knowing is is essentially I think again in that vulnerability space to sort of like when you buy into the reaction you reinforce the belief. You know, you mentioned about Sadhguru. I heard him say, you know, what you believe or what you disbelieve, it doesn't bring you any closer to the truth. <laughs> and I thought that's kind of a big one, you know, when you're sort of thinking, because I would have said that I've f- built my whole life on trying to answer back to what I believed about myself. But in the moments where someone says something to you and it just doesn't touch you, is because like you said, you're in that space of just knowing your worth. Irrespective of whether it's in rugby or out of rugby, you just know deep down your absolute worth. And then suddenly those words, they make no difference. You know. Yeah. You know, your gift knows itself. You know everything. You know so cleanly that you don't then react and create those situations. So that kind of react space and coming back from reaction is I guess to sort of like find that knowing, as you mentioned to find that knowing within yourself of you know of who you are, to find your grounding, to find your feet, to find your your, your heart, your gift, your your love and compassion or whatever it is, is such a big space. But I think, you know, still for me, I, I find it fascinating that you've got that journey ahead of you. So just give me a quick rundown, mate, before I, before I let you go. What's, what's next for you? You're in pre-season. You said you've got a bit of an ankle trouble at the moment.
1: Uh, yeah, I've just come off two ankle surgeries. So I'm back back with the team. That was my first session fully yesterday with the group and I shanked the two kickoffs. That was nice. Yeah, first <laughs> first touch to <of> the bottle.
0: <laughs> well, we'll give, you, we'll give you a benefit of the doubt on the basis that you've had two ankles redone. So how long have you been out? So I had the surgery in October.
1: So like I've been training and everything, but I was, like that was the first time I'd actually joined up for a full session with the group. I'd sort of jumped in and out for different drills and obviously different parts of the session, but that was like my first session with the group fully. But yeah, it was, it was about three months. So I had ankle surgery. So I injured yeah. my ankle and club footy. That like, was quite a bit around like on an emotional level and a physical level, just sort of, sort of going against my truth. Like that's yeah, probably, okay. that's probably another half an hour
0: conversation. And then you, you do that to me. You want to say something like that just as I'm trying to wrap <laughs> up the conversation.
1: <laughs> and then I had to, uh, get sur- re-surgery on the surgery. Cause again, I hadn't accepted what had happened. And the reason I got the surgery probably, um, wasn't as conscious as I led myself to believe. So that was the second surgery. And then. Yeah, healing from that has been a, a great journey. Like, I spent a month in Bali just exploring, backpacking for two weeks, and then with my brother and my partner and his partner. And it's a nice little sweet spot of learning, which I took back into this preseason. And sort of now I'm at that place where I'm about to go into trial games, for
0: Super Rugby. Big year ahead. Mate, good for you. I hope it goes really well. Just, just I can't let it go on what you just said because you've just summed up my injury journeys for four years perfectly. Just absolute emotional resistance. Leading to more and more and more and more injuries. And then this understanding afterwards saying, I wish I'd just taken a year out. But you know what? If I'd have taken a year out and it made no difference. Yeah. I needed to take me out of my way. I needed to take me out of my, my sort of, or take my mind out of it as it were whereas I was thinking that, oh, if I had a a year out, I would be fine. But of course, I'd have spent a year out watching the TV, reading all the newspapers about who was playing instead of me and how great they were going and how my time was ruined and how I had to get back. And I'd be training in the gym twice as hard, thinking, oh, they won't know I'm training, and then I'll come back stronger than ever after a year out. And they'll all think, wow, how did he do that? Just, like you said, that recovery space. Whatever you do, find that that acceptance, that space. And and you feel that's worked for you with this thing. You feel like you're you're finding that that healing effect taking place.
1: Yeah. For the last sort of year, I've been studying conscious language and body language. And it's a huge tool for injuries, for anything. And this might go like a little bit left wing, but so I injured my right ankle. And at the time I'd been in a system, which like I said, I wasn't, it wasn't the full version of me. I was, your right ankle is direction and it's masculine. It's, the expression, the output. And I was constantly, every day, making a choice not to follow my actual internal guide and to just turn up and tick the box and do follow the past and do what everyone else is doing and just yes, 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 and just be happy that I'm there and just get, like, I was destroying myself in an environment that wasn't conducive to me playing rugby. And after a while, like, my soul was just that, look, we're going to take that away from you because you're not being honest, so we'll take it away. And then again... I came back with that same mentality. I hadn't completed the lesson that I had to get surgery on the surgery to take out something that was put in, like a tightrope was put in there. When it wasn't actually the surgery I needed, I just needed to speak my truth and be like, hey, this, this isn't working for me. This isn't, um, the, yeah, this isn't my truth. And yeah, which is a, it's even a conversation, like I said.
0: You've now got me completely thinking about, I need to go and review all those different injuries and all the different places that they happened for me and go and find out what that link was in a more deeper level.
1: Bro, I've, I've gone back back in the past through all my injuries I've had. It's incredible. <laughs> it's uh, I'm do it. And I'm like, how like groin pushing for approval from others. I told my Groin when I was literally starting in that environment was going to that, like I said, that is this good? Is that good? <laughs> oh
0: my gosh. You're blowing my mind right now with this because I, i've even even just saying that you must send that to me i'm fascinated by that. it'd be really really interesting mate listen i have to let you go because i mean yes, it's ridiculous. ridiculous we could stay here all day but it's been an absolute pleasure it always is mate to catch up and it, it's ne- there's never enough time but i couldn't wish you better with your journey mm. whatever it unfolds and whatever it reveals about you i love the shift in you and, and whatever happens with where you go in coaching or elsewhere i think that you'll you'll find this marrying up of these two journeys to find that central journey that i i think you know still hasn't necessarily been proven out there or or been shown yet And i think you know i look forward to whatever you come up with but more importantly i look forward to our next catch up whenever that is but good luck mate thank you thank you so much for your time
1: yeah thanks fella it's been good to connect
0: So that's it for another episode of I Am. It's brilliant to be sharing this unfolding experience with you all. If you'd like to get in touch with either me or the guest, then all the information you need is in the show notes. I welcome all and any feedback. I really want all of you to have a hand in guiding the feel of this show and the path of the conversation as well. So just keep them coming in. And until next time, I'm Johnny Wilkinson, and this has been I Am. This show is brought to you by Mags Creative, The executive producer is Megan Hill-Smith. Assistant producer is Alex Macy. That's all for this week's episode of I Am. Before you go, a big thank you to Vivo Life, our podcast partner, who deliver affordable, natural and UK-made supplements straight to your door. Vivo Life perfectly embodies the principles we're discussing here at I Am, and we're excited for you to experience their products firsthand. As a special offer for our listeners, they're currently offering their biggest sale ever. Use the code IAMPODCAST, all in capital letters, to receive 40% off your initial purchase and an additional 15% discount on subsequent orders with a subscription. Visit www.vivolife.co.uk to explore their complete range of products and discover how they can help you unleash your full potential.